Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I woke up at 5 a.m. Put on my camouflage. Wiped off my 243 and fired up my Dodge. Headed out to my old deer stand back in the pines. Gonna get me a 10-point buck with 11-inch tines. I'm a bad Here we are on hour number two of Jim Strader Outdoors. Welcome aboard. The numbers tonight, as usual, 571-8484-1800-444-8484. If you are just joining the broadcast in the second hour, I have Gary Roman, Master Gunsmith at Firearm Service Center, in the studio with me tonight to do gun talk. And we've talked quite a bit about... uh, shotguns and youth season. If you've had a youth out in the field with you for this early poke at the turkeys, Kentucky's youth season is this weekend. We would love to hear from you and or the child that you had with you on a personal basis. I'm very interested in talking to the child because I get a big kick out of conversing with these children that are getting their first or perhaps one of their earliest encounters with turkey hunting. Again, those numbers, 571-8484-1800-444-8484. Also, I did an opening monologue at the start of the program about fish activity. In a nutshell, here it is. Crappie are wide open. They're coming to the banks to spawn. We'll continue to do so. We got the full moon coming upon us on April 11th. This is going to be a, one of the most important parts of the year if you love to catch shallow water crappie that are coming to the banks. Uh, white bass and hybrids are moving up in the creeks and rivers on their spawning runs. Gary, we talked about the red buds. Yep, dogwoods and wet red buds. Yes, the red buds are in bloom now mm-hmm. in many parts of the region. The dogwoods are going to be soon after, and folks make fun of this. But I'm going to let you expound upon this because as a farmer all your life, you are very well aware soil temperatures and water temperatures don't always coincide. But the dogwood and red buds, in particular with their shallow root systems, mirror movements Mm -hmm. 
by fish. Explain that because you did a great job in the first hour. Well, the the issue that we get into is is that ground temperature is water temperature, but the ground changes much slower than water does. Yes. Uh, soil temperatures are stabilized by water and water movement through the soil. So with this in mind, plants are extremely sensitive to the temperature of the soil environment. Now, whether you're planting seed or whether it's a blooming plant, like the dogwoods that we talked about, and traditionally in Kentucky, the dogwoods bloom about mid-April. That's right. To the 20th of April. Um, and, you know, we were remarking about all this early warm weather we had and response, but the dogwoods did not respond to it. Uh-huh. They're going more in a natural environment because the soil has not warmed up, even though the air temperatures had. Uh, water temperatures right now are going to be a rising faster than soil temperatures will. Uh-huh. Um and, you know, it's a big lesson for everybody when they go to plant their food crops and one thing or another that, for instance, when we plant sunflowers for doves, if that soil temperature is not 64 degrees or higher, you're not going to get germination. And, gonna, and your seed will rot yeah. and or remain dormant. If you get rain and it's not ready, it just rots. It molds and it's too easy for us as humans. Mm-hmm to respond in regard to what you're saying, to what we feel, you know, what we, in quotes. Well, we, we've got a time window. we got to get it in on this time window. <laughs> yeah. And that's not the deal. Mm-mm. It's photoperiodism. By that I mean the amount of daylight hours and temperatures that stabilize, yep. not that fluctuate. Yep. So. Now, the other season that we've got going on right now very heavily, and we're seeing a lot of activity it's coyotes. Uh, the coyote hunters are out in force. Now, when you're you're out in the woods turkey hunting one thing or another, um, when you start running that call and have decoys out, it's very common in Kentucky to have a, a, a coyote come in and attack your decoy. And I want to say something right here, right now. Uh-huh. I'm sure you will uh, applaud what I'm going to say. If you see it, shoot it. Yep. I don't care if you got a Gobbler responding. Gobblers, in general, unless it's immediately evident, they don't know the difference between gunfire and thunder. I, mm-hmm. I, how many turkeys and a, of, and a lot of them will respond by gobbling to gunfire. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've seen folks miss a bird mm-hmm. and seen that joker gobble at the response of the gunfire. Mm-hmm. My point is, if you have a coyote, that comes in during turkey season, or if you're hunting, as you mentioned, up till now. Get rid of these jokers while you can, because a big reason we're not seeing as many turkeys as we used to is coyotes have learned Mm -hmm. that when a hen yelps or gobble or gobbles, they can close the gap, keel on them, and rush in and snatch them. I've watched Mm -hmm. them do it. Gobbling activity Here's a history lesson, and, and because you've hunted in as many states as I have, this is well worth imparting to our audience. The reason birds in Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida don't gobble as much on the ground as ours do is because coyotes and bobcats 
have been jumping at them mm-hmm. on the ground for decades when they were acclimated to that behavior. And so they gobble on the roost. When they go to the ground, they'll gobble, but they don't gobble like our birds do. Uh, and this is a learned behavior. So if you have a coyote, come to your call. That tight choke <laughs> in, in uh, 40 yards or less, <laughs> a, a head hunting on a coyote is poison, those critters, and they got it coming in my estimation. They're, you remember last, last season we were talking about it, and my good friend Greg Brunsman shot a turkey. A coyote comes running in, grabs the turkey. He shoots the coyote. The coyote drops the turkey and jumps straight up in the air, and so he shoots, has an aerial shot on a coyote. <laughs> well, I, I have a rule with the folks that I hunt with, and they obey it pretty pretty well. Some of them probably maybe don't tell me, but I, I doubt that that's the case given the quality of the folks that I enjoy in my hunting parties. If we see a coyote, we shoot a coyote. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about during deer season, turkey season, whatever the case may be, because then you're doing your part, if you will, to help manage that property to where that coyote's not an impact on fawn deer, turkeys, turkey poults, nests, etc. Fawns. Yeah. The the studies. Rabbits. Uh, well, yeah. You Hey, a coyote. He doesn't discriminate. <laughs> if it moves, it's food. And you can take that all the way from from probably cockroaches up through, mm-hmm. through deer. You know, they just uh they're very opportunistic and that's a great thing I think to to share with folks because a lot of folks will have coyotes come into their turkey calls this season. Mm-hmm. Um we're gonna talk after break about turkey loads. We've got a obviously big portion of time, it's not big in the terms of the calendar, but it's going to seem big to folks that have to wait to get out and turkey hunt. But uh, Indiana and Kentucky seasons are upon us. We'll talk about turkey loads and your thoughts about that as we come back from break. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty. Paul Thomas, who's a serious deer turkey hunting kind of guy, is the gentleman that you'll talk to down there. He's got everything from vacation cabins to wildlife management properties and farms for sale. And they will actually help you finance if you meet the criteria or if you're looking to sell those kind of properties, you need to get in touch with them. Check them out at mophartrealty.com. This is Gary Roman. Whenever I'm on Jim's show, I get lots of questions like, what shotgun should I buy? What handgun is best for personal protection, or what is the best scope for my rifle? There's only one sure answer. Come see us at Firearm Service Center, the one place to go to solve all your firearms problems. Purchase guns, ammo, holsters, and supplies. Whether it's your first firearm or your next custom-built gun, service or repair, come see us at Firearm Service Center, Bardstown Road, in the Eastland Shopping Center, Louisville, Kentucky, or visit us on the web at firearmservice.com. For personal service, there's only one, 
Firearm Service Center. I'm very passionate about wildlife. That's why I've teamed up with two extremely talented and knowledgeable wildlife managers, Shane and Caleb Butler, to form a new company, Wildlife Habitat Solutions. Our team has more than 80 years combined experience doing habitat evaluations, food plot and warm season grass plantings, and hands-on management to make all your wildlife dreams come true. Check us out on Facebook at Wildlife Habitat Solutions or call us at 270-537-5739. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors and Numbers 571-8484, 1-800-444-8484. Again, folks, if you've had a youth out in the field with you for this youth turkey season here in Kentucky, would love to hear from the child and or you about your experiences. I know the birds, Gary, are gobbling a lot, mm-hmm. and they're in the process of breaking into Somewhat smaller groups than they were in the winter, but they're still pretty ganged up. My lifetime mentor about turkeys, George Wright, who I was very, very fortunate to spend a lot of time with. He was, of course, the Kentucky biologist who was the grandfather, if we will, at this point, I guess it's fair to say, of our turkey flock. Always told me, Jim Strader. He had that West Kentucky draw, as you know. These turkeys will break up between the 1st and the 10th of April every year, and turkey season needs to open the 15th and no earlier so they can breed before we bust them. You think that's stuck in my brain? (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit. Rizvip, I mean, that plays for me every time I think about it. And, you know, the cool thing about that, he was so right. If you've watched it, you know, as as you and I have, since turkeys really got populated in the state going forward, it's the same every year. But, oh, no, they're busting up their goblin. Goblin doesn't have anything to do with it. What has to do with it is what we talked about, soil temperature mm-hmm. and those hens being able to put that egg on the ground egg by egg, day by day, and then incubating them mm-hmm. to where they produce poults. And that, to your point, pretty well most of the time corresponds with, guess what, dogwood bloom. Yep. <laughs> Harold Knight always said, buddy, you want to see when the turkeys are going to really be starting to nest and the birds, gobblers that is, are losing their minds. It's about the time those dogwoods turn white. <laughs> because then most of the hens have bred, are starting to lay, getting ready to incubate, and the gobblers are going to get more active because guess what? The ladies are getting shy. <laughs> They're getting scarce. Yes, sir. It's it's a weird deal. Let's go to Shannon, who's calling from Hodgenville, has a gun question for Gary. Yes, Shannon, you're up. Hey, thank you very much for having me on tonight. Hey, my father-in-law died about two years ago, and he had about 25 guns that um, the family still has. And I'm probably going to end up buying these from the family. There's mm-hmm. handguns, there's revolvers, there's uh, lots of semi-automatics, rifles, shotguns. They've not been shot, I would say, in 25 years. Mm-hmm. They've uh, all been in a cabinet in, their, in the closet, um, not really even been out except just to show us a few times what he had. 
uh, his his dad was a uh, gun dealer years and years ago. If I get these, what do I need to do to them before I actually get them out and shoot them? Been sitting that long. They need to be gone through. And traditionally, guns of that vintage, if they've been sitting in the closet 10 years or 15 years or whatever, uh, they've been sprayed down with WD-40. Because at that time, that was about the only thing that anybody had at hand to make a good um, help for rust protection. Now, WD-40 has got some unusual characteristics to it. It's a good water displacement, and that's what the WD stands for. Water Displacement Formula 45. But when you apply it to metal or to wood or anything else, over a period of time it turns from a liquid into a honey-like consistency into a shellac, which glues everything together. So first thing you need to do is probably have all of them stripped down and cleaned, uh, freshly lubricated with with some higher-grade product, uh, and then you can get serious about what you want to do with them. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't know. I, we were going to get them out and shoot them, but, um, you know, I've got guns. They're all newer, mm-hmm. but these older ones, you know, he's got the Smith & Wesson 357s and mm-hmm. the Colt 45s. They're, they're all good guns, good mm-hmm. name brand guns. But uh, I was just even afraid, or I didn't know if I should even put shells in them and shoot them without. Well, the like thing, the thing about it is right. if they have a deterioration factor like I'm talking about and you load them, you can't unload them. Uh, okay. Everything sticks up. So it would be very desirable about just just checking all of them out, checking for, for instance, if the cylinder rotates smoothly or if it's gummed okay. up. I mean, it's very apparent when you operate the action whether they're, they're, they've got gumming tendencies or not. And if you start finding this with it, then do yourself a favor and just bring it to me or bring it to any other good good gunsmith in the area and let them do a thorough cleaning on them. Okay. Now, One last question on shells. He's got a lot of shells and so forth. How mm-hmm. long do shells last before you shouldn't use them? It all depends on how they're stored. If they're stored where you have stable temperatures, like in a house that's air-conditioned and heated, um, out of a basement area, which would have a tendency to draw moisture, uh, but if they're stored upstairs in the living quarters, uh, where the temperatures are relatively stable, they'll be good for a hundred years. But, okay. But if they put them in an outbuilding or in a garage, or someplace where you have major fluctuations in temperature, their history in two years. Okay. Well, that's what I needed to know. Okay. And uh, I'll get them checked out from you or somebody if I end up with them. All right, sir. Okay. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you, Shannon. Gary, I got a question for you. I've heard this for years and years. Um, I don't think I've ever posed this question to you, but a lot of folks, myself included, inherit shotgun shells from mm-hmm. estates or friends that pass or folks that quit, quit hunting, hunting, et cetera. Yeah. I've always heard that shotgun shells in particular can actually increase, if you will, in potency or exhibit other types of uh, other issues. Other issues. What What is the case? I well, I don't know. And here's, with what I get, if it's old, I get rid of it because yeah. I don't want the problem. But what is the case there? The the shotgun hull is not sealed. Okay, 
The area that holds the shot, the area that holds the primer, is not watertight. It was never designed to be. So if we get moisture built up in this area, um, and just a tiny bit of moisture in the paddler prevents it from going off properly. Now, the general scenario, and as many blown-up guns as I see, this this is a major issue. Um, you want me to wait till we come back off No, break? no, we got a minute to okay, go. Okay, got a minute to go. It's called secondary ignition syndrome. You fire it, the cap goes off, it opens the shells up, pushes the wad out in the barrel, but the powder has not ignited yet. That flash dries the powder out, so it's like a slow-burning fuse. Ka-boom. And then, yeah, and your gun blows up Yeah. because you have created an obstruction in the barrel by having a deteriorated shotgun shell. So if they're old shells, pitch them. Pitch them. Very good. Great. That's a question we've never had, and I'm glad you shared that with us. All right, folks, we got to go to break here. This break is presented by... The very professional boat people at SMI Marine, 11400 Westport Road, can handle all of your boat repair and or needs, and most importantly, have a great new electronics division. For those of you who are looking for electronics for fish finding purposes, etc. I don't know anyone who loves the outdoors who doesn't have a dream property in the back of their mind. It might be a secluded cabin on a river or stream, small farm with lakes or ponds teeming with fish, or a wildlife management property with mixed timber and farm ground loaded with deer, turkey, and other wildlife. Paul Thomason and his family at Mossy Oak Properties Hart Realty can make all these dreams come true. They've been doing so for 36 years. Mossy Oak Properties Hart Realty is located in Munfordville, right in the heart of central Kentucky's fish and wildlife mecca. They specialize in recreation properties, Farms and lake and riverfront getaways. Make your dreams a reality. Give Paul Thomas at Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty a call at 270-524-1980 or check them on the web at mophartrealty.com. That's mophartrealty.com. And a little ZZ Top bringing us back online here. Jim Strader Outdoors. The numbers 571 8484 1 800 444 8484. We have Gary Roman, Master Gunsmith at Firearm Service Center, in the studio with us. And again, if any of you folks have been out in the woods for the youth turkey season, give us a call. Love to hear from the child or from you about. That experience. Gary, uh, we've got a gentleman holding. Let's take him first, and then I've got a question for you about firearms that are, you know, been in the closet or what have you. Keith, you're on. Yes. Uh, how are you guys doing? Doing, doing great. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing pretty good, sir. And uh, now you got Gary on tonight. And uh, I've always wanted to learn gunsmithing. And I I've been trying to get you to do some how-to videos for you know, <laughs> a couple of years now, and I'll make you get that maybe on the back burner. I don't know, but uh, I would definitely buy them, and I know people who would. But 
I'd like to learn, you know, gunsmithing, and I've never heard of any schools that offer it or there's any kind of apprenticeships out there. I'm, I'm sure Gary would know something about this. We have four or five uh, technical college-style programs that teach gunsmithing. Uh, there's one in Pennsylvania, one in Iowa, and two out west in uh uh, the Colorado School of Trades and the Trinidad Junior Junior College and one thing or another. Um, Brownells, who is one of the major suppliers of gun parts and tools and accessories, uh, runs a trade fair every year that tries to put gun people who have come out of these courses and classes in the hands of shops that are needing beginning help. In order to make a gunsmith, it's a very, very long process. Um, generally, as an apprentice, about four to five years before you can call yourself other than, you know, a basic mechanic. Um, the, um, there are a, the American Gunsmith Institute has got a whole series of video training videos out. And they offer a college-style course of study on gunsmithing. Now, your biggest problem in, in today's world, you need to be a machinist first and a gunsmith second. It requires the mechanical aptitude as well as the machine training if you're going to make a living at it. Uh, doing it as a hobby where you're not making parts for a weapon and one thing or another is a whole different format. And... You know, you've got to kind of specialize. You, you, I've been a generalist all my career. We work on handguns, shotguns, rifles, custom builds, um, AR-15s to muzzleloaders. But today's area has become, just like it is in the medical industry, you have a series of specialists. You have one guy that does nothing but forty-five automatic work. You have another one that does only single-action Army-style uh, which is the old Western-style pistols. You have another uh-huh. that specializes in AR-15s. Um, so you can pick out a niche and become proficient in it. But going at a shotgun approach, it requires a whole different metal set. Now, <clears throat> these courses that I'm talking about are not inexpensive because it takes a lot of effort to put one of them together. They've been trying to get me for years, and I mean more than I want to count, to basically open a gunsmithing school. Um, and the, you know, I'm sort of I'm certified in vocational education. I taught vocational education for 12 years, um, but the amount of effort, planning, and programming that you put into it, when you go through these courses, you're inside one gun one time in a two- to three-year course. That doesn't teach you about that gun, okay? Um, There's a lot of stuff now on the Internet. Most of it is is a lot of misinformation, I'm afraid. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead, sir. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, yeah, I found that out through some of the sites I've gone through. uh, And I I agree with you. There's... They go one way, and they want to mislead you. And I knew I knew it wasn't right. So uh, since you were on tonight, I, I know you would be the man to talk to. Well, Gary, the best course of action for somebody that 
wanted to pursue right. that as a vocation. The, 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 would first, be what? the first thing I can tell them is Jefferson County School System has a, a very, very good adult education format. You need to get some experience on operating lathes and mills and welding equipment. Um, you get that portion. Yes, sir. I can, you get that I can do. I can do all that now. I've, okay. I've got everything but a journeyman card. Okay. Well, that, that's super. I've done all that. Right. That gives you the first road in, because now okay. you, you have the capability and the attitude to manufacture something. The next step to it is to get the design format where you learn what this part is supposed to do and what you can do to make it operate that way. Uh, uh-huh. I've been fortunate over the course of time. I've achieved six patents on special trigger mechanisms. Um, but, that you know, that, that's my bailiwick. I, that's what I enjoy doing. Um, so, but in schooling for gunsmithing, what was that you mentioned and how they Google it, for example? Uh, they can just Google gunsmith schools, and they're okay. going and they're going to come up. Um, okay. And, and you know, Colorado School of Trades, Yapiva College. Uh, it's very difficult to like for me to take an apprentice in because you know I've got two hundred guns in repair at all times. All right. Right. And and to have the physical facilities to try to set somebody down on the bench and have the time to spend to train with them, just not there. I mean, you know. Oh, I understand, sir. All right. But uh, huh? I get lots of questions on that, and I do appreciate your question. All right, Keith. All right, sir. I'll uh, I'll give it a look-see, see what I can do. All right, thank All right, you very much. Let's right. go to Steve, who's calling from southern Indiana. Has a gun question for Gary. Yes, Steve, you're up. Yes, uh, I've come across an old American gun company, Double Barrel 12-gauge. Uh-huh. And it's really in rough shape, and I didn't know if it was worth putting any effort into it or not. Well, that, barrels that, are so. Excuse me. Go ahead. The barrels are really thin, and I don't know if they even handle, handle a modern shell or not. Well, is it Damascus? No. Uh, it's not laminated. It says Armory Steel on it, or it has no pan. It, um, it has no pattern in the metal on the barrels. It's so rusty, I can't really tell. Okay. It does say it, something. Steel on the barrel, but I didn't uh, get in down deep enough to get to the. If it's rusty enough where you can't read the lettering, you probably don't have anything left. Yeah. To be very honest. Now yeah. open the barrels up and look inside the barrels. See if you if you see pits and one thing or another in there. Um, you know that's pretty well tells the whole story. Mm-hmm. It was a nice gun at one time. It's checkered and engraved. Mm-hmm. Right. Steve, to, to your point, and uh, Gary, I hope you don't mind me relating this. You get a lot of questions about these types of guns. You get a lot of questions about folks that inherit guns, as a previous caller tonight did, and they, quite frankly, they need help determining what they have. What they have, is it a value, good uh Scenario would be someone that's inherited a bunch of guns. Folks are offering them prices. They don't know if the prices match the worth of the gun. You will take the time if someone comes to the shop, take a cursory right. look at those kind of things, and give them yep. advice. Tell them where you're located and how they can yep. reach you. It's Firearm Service Center, 4754 Bardstown Road in Louisville. 
And right now we are doing anywhere from two to four estate appraisals a week. Um, I'm sorry to say that the older generation uh, are leaving lots of guns uh, to be passed down. And um, the people that are passing down to them don't know what to do with them. So uh, if you need help, come and see me. So, Steve, if, oh. you, if, you know, if that's an heirloom or something you want to see about, Gary would be glad to look at it for you and yeah. give you some advice and keep you from having any problems. My punchline that I use 100 times a day is, I'm sorry, I can't fix it over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if it even have any values that somebody might want for parts even, the hammers and everything all work, you know. Well, if if you have a hammer gun and it's an American gun company, I can virtually guarantee you that it is a Damascus gun. Okay. And, and if it has any pitting or surface rusting in the barrel, it cannot be fired with ammunition, modern ammunition, and mm-hmm. you have basically something to hang over the fireplace. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot. Yes, All sir. right, Steve. Thank you. All right, folks. We got to go to break. This broke break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty. Paul Thomas, the real estate folks you'll talk to, has vacation cabins, wildlife management properties, and farms for sale, and a huge inventory of those types of properties, I might mention. So if you're looking to buy or sell, give them a look at mophartrealty.com. If your house was on fire, the most precious possession you would say first would undoubtedly be your family pet. Next to family, they're one of the most important parts of our lives, and that's exactly why I trust my pet's health and happiness to Dr. Kurt Oliver and his staff at Linden Animal Clinic. I know firsthand Dr. Oliver's surgical and diagnostic skills are extraordinary, just what you need when your pet's in need. From the time his nurturing staff greets you at the door, you'll know that Linden Animal Clinic is the place to trust with your pets, just like I trust them with mine. Linden Animal Clinic, 1000 Linden Lane, 425-5834, or check them out at lindenanimalclinic.com. This is Jim Dickin for Fishing Guides homepage, fghp.com. All the fishing guides and info you need to plan your next fishing vacation fghp.com, the number one resource on Google for finding fishing guides, local regulations, hotels, bait shops in the U.S. and Canada. fghp.com donates 25% of its income to Freedom Is Not Free, helping families of soldiers wounded in the war on terror. fghp.com, fishing guides homepage. All right, folks, we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. The number is 571-8484-1800-444-8484. Gary, youth turkey season is... uh, History. Pretty much history (laughs) as the sun sets in the west. Uh, But the general firearm seasons for turkeys, the regular spring seasons are upon us. Give folks some help about setting up a turkey gun. And to start that off, if you don't care, I want to talk about turkey loads a little bit. Okay. We've mentioned them in the past, but they bear mentioning again. A lot of folks are going to be going to sporting goods stores and buying loads for turkey hunting. Um, 
lot of different type of loads out there. The heavy shot load, which you turn me on weight. to. Or heavy weight, I'm sorry. Uh, turkey load that you turned me on to years ago that comes in the configuration I like. It's, a, it's basically a number seven shot mm-hmm. that has the kinetic energy of a lead five. Now, folks, <laughs> when you got the pattern density of a number seven, and you got the kinetic energy of a number five, you've got a very, very lethal turkey load. However, you do have to pattern it in your yeah. gun and see where it shoots. And it happens to be my favorite, and I'm not a, afraid to mention that because I've seen what little do. And they're not cheap, but, uh, you know, how many shots are you going to lob yeah. at a turkey anyway? <laughs> That's the way I look at that. But... Uh, that's some technology I think is worth passing along to folks if they're looking for a particular. But there's a lot of other good ones out there. Mention yes. mention loads and some of them that you recommend, if you would. All right. And since we're getting down here pretty close to a short time on the show, <clears throat> years ago when we both started turkey hunting, you had full choke shotguns. You didn't have choke tubes or anything we have today. And you spent lots and lots of time trying to find a magic shell that would make that gun perform beyond 30 yards. And 30 yards was just about our limitation 20 years ago. Yep. I mean, that, that was just being realistic. Like, occasionally you might get a, a stray pellet to make good contact further than that. But for a killing effective pattern, you limited yourself to 30, no more than 35 yards. The world has changed. Today's shotguns have much tighter choke systems in them. They have been specialized to create long-range patterns for turkey hunting. And so have our shells changed. No longer do we try to buy a shotgun and find the shell that's going to work, make everything work. Today we basically have several shells that are on the market that are going to work, period. Uh, regardless of the form of choke that you put in the gun. And that, that's where we're at with this. Um, whether you buy a Remington 870, whether you buy a Mossberg Youth 20-gauge, whether you buy you know, a Winchester Super X automatic or a Benelli, there are certain things that you take in consideration in the whole process. Number one is the point of impact of that shotgun. Which is, um, incidentally, a real big deal. As I found out three seasons ago when I assumed that the turkey choke that I put in my Benelli was going to shoot where I looked. And, buddy, <laughs> did I have egg on my face on three big gobblers that should have been graveyard dead. Yep. <laughs> the uh, Hate to admit that, but... It's a good lesson yeah. for those who are willing to listen. Mm-hmm. The um, turkey chokes are actually double fulls. In other words, a full choke, standard full choke barrel has 40 thousandths of physical constriction between the body bore and the choke. A turkey load can have anywhere from 60 to 90 thousandths constriction on the thing in order to generate these super tight patterns. So 
today's modern shotgun that is, that's set up for turkeys, it's not uncommon to see a pattern that's 12 to 14 inches in diameter at 40 and 45 yards. Now, this means that you get that turkey into 15, 20 yards, you're shooting a pattern about the size of your fist um, or no more than the, the inside of a hat. Uh, your your diameter of your bead on the front of that barrel is as big, if not big, smaller than your pattern itself. So with that in mind, we've gotten into a whole new world of optical sights, aids to help you put that pattern where it should be, um, red dot sight systems, scopes, and everything, so you can make use of these guns' capabilities. Um, and that's what we're basically spending all the time setting up these youth guns with. We're using optical red dot sights on them so that they can concentrate their effort in paying attention to where the pattern's going. Um, it's a whole new market, whole new world. Well, the one sight that you showed me, and I tend to be a point-and-shoot kind of a guy. You know, that's just mm-hmm. the way I was raised. It's, I, I'm too old to retrain. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is for me. And if a bird's... Uh, out of my range, I just wait, you know, next mm-hmm. next victim, so to speak. Uh, but the one that really caught my fascination is the one that tends to show the pattern at mm-hmm. the various ranges where instead of having to hold a red dot on the bird's neck or head, you just center the neck and head in this circle Correct. that shows the pattern. Relate that. Cause it's, and that, that's what's referred to as a circle dot. Uh, several different manufacturers of them. Um, basically, what are the, the what are the names so people can Google them or? UTG makes one uh, that that's a relatively inexpensive little site that has been very very good. It's on quick release mounting systems. True Glow makes one, and there are several other manufacturers out there that make a circle style reticle, including scopes that have them in. Um, basically, it's an illuminated reticle. It illuminates either red or green, and it creates a, at 40 yards, it has a 20-inch diameter circle presented to you with a a red dot in the middle of it. So it makes it very fast to pick up and center a pattern and everything else, and you adjust it. And it can adjust to where that ultra-tight choke actually shoots. That's Uh the important part. Yeah, It, It goes away from sight down the barrel to actual impact. Of the, the, the pattern, pattern just like a rifle would do, for mm-hmm. example. All right, anything else you want to impart? we got a minute to go. No, not really. Everybody come and see me. All right, and how do they reach you? Uh, it's Firearm Service Center on Bardstown Road. The address is 4754 Bardstown Road. We're in the Eastland Shopping Center. We're open 10 to 6, Monday through Friday, and 10 to 2 on Saturday. Very good. And, again, if folks have questions or firearms that are unfamiliar or something they're afraid of because they mm-hmm. inherited it, bring it down, and you'll be yep. glad to help them anyway you help can. Them. Very, very good, sir. Always enjoy visiting with you folks. It's spring. It is here now. Uh, that that uh, change in the amount of daylight and that eternal change that we see is upon us fishing's jumping turkeys are going to start breaking up gobbling a lot to look forward to we'll be with you next week same place same time god bless everybody with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.